last week, our, bro our brother, Pastor Reggie Hernandez, gave a second message on God's will. And the first message was, God's will is whatever. And the second message was, God's will is still whatever, but through the lenses. The lenses into God's will. And he gave us an acrostic about the will of God, which is W, which stands for Word of God. I, the influence of others. And then life situations. And then the leading of the Holy Spirit. We always have to filter our life and our life experiences through the will of God, through the lenses of His Word, through life experiences, through the counsel and leading of others. We cannot just claim anything to be God's will. Do you believe that? What if I rob a bank and I'm successful and I will claim God's will? Because, and then you say, why is it God's will? Because if it's not God's will, why did I succeed? You see? You have to be very careful that you process, you go through the magnifying glass of the Word of God to see. Dali lang nga. Excuse me. May umuugong bogey. Pakipatay. Thank you. Now, two weeks before that, Pastor Danny gave him a passionate message on the barriers to discipleship. Right? And I'd like to, as I promised you, I'm going to share with you this morning the results of those feedback that you gave. May I have the envelope, please? Thank you. Why do I know that these are the results? Because the envelope says results. So the message this morning is very simple. It is trained, which means what? The results are in. We may now go home. Now, this is unedited. This is what you wrote. So I'm going to show everything. And as I show them, let's read them all together. You might be the one who wrote this. Or maybe you did not, but you identify with these barriers. Okay? So here we go. Less. Come on, read it with me. Those are your results. Aren't they scary? We think that there is so much that we're up against when we forget the command of Jesus. That if we obey this command to go out into all the nations, disciple them, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, what is the promise of Jesus? He says, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's why we keep on reminding everyone. If there is one thing that you and I can do as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ that guarantees, that assures us of the manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the thing that we should be doing. This is the thing that we should be doing. Now, wouldn't you like your loved ones who do not know Jesus Christ to come to faith in Christ? That's part of the mission. How do you, you go 
and share Christ with them. And then when they come to faith, encourage them to make a public confession, go through the waters of baptism. When they come out and declare that I am a follower of Jesus Christ, it's like a newborn baby. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to feed themselves. So what happens? You come into the picture. You help them. Help them grow. Help them understand the word. More importantly, help them obey all. And if you and I are faithful to this, what is God's promise? What is the promise of Jesus? I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I like the low part because I'm low of height. So I am assured wherever I go, God is with me. If you're Chinese, your last name is Lo, again, you are here. Lo, Chan, Si, whatever. Anyone who does this, anyone and everyone who is willing to do this, God is with you. So as the saying goes, there is nothing to fear but fear itself. For our message this morning, I distilled all of these three slides that you've been reading into these five basic barriers. Resources, complacency, mastery of scripture, commitment, and time. Let's pray. God Almighty, you want us to serve you. You want us to disciple people, to bring them to faith, to help them grow in Christ-likeness. For by this all men will know that we are truly disciples of yours. God, we want to be faithful to the mission that you've given us. Help me, Lord. Help all of us understand your word. But not only that. We ask for more than that, Lord. Give us hearts, minds, feet that are willing to obey you no matter what because we know that what we are doing is in accordance with your will we pray that you be glorified lord as we welcome your presence in our midst in jesus name we all pray amen so barriers to discipleship the first one resources now were you able to come here today so it means you have the resource to come. Many of us have their own houses. Many of us here in LA, we have our own vehicles. So it shouldn't be a problem. Distance, as I mentioned, and I don't want to embarrass him, but our brother Bobby, he lives in Riverside. He drives, what, 50 plus miles to come here? And when he gets here, yes. When he gets here, he cleans the toilets. He mops the floors. He cleans our dining area. And then he takes pictures. I don't know if he has time to listen. <laughs> but he does. I'm sure he does. So, in terms of resources, God owns everything. And if you decide to disciple people, do you not believe that he will supply you with all the resources needed so that you can obey his will? So the way I look at resources is not just distance or place or lack of money. I look at resources as this, John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will what? Teach you all things. And what? Bring you to remembrance of all that I said. You have the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, you have the Holy Spirit. If you are a child of God, if you have faith in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And what is the role of the Holy Spirit? He will teach you. He will not only teach you, He will remind you. Of what? Of God's Word. The greatest resource that you and I have is the Holy Spirit who will never leave us, 
nor forsake us because Jesus said, when that time comes, I will send the Holy Spirit. He will be in you and He will be with you forever. Jesus Christ only spent three years with His disciples, but the Holy Spirit is in every believing child of God for the rest of eternity. Brothers, you and I have the greatest resource. If you're still not convinced, 2 Peter 1 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in what? In your knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. If God says, that He has supplied everything that you and I need for life and godliness. Do you lack anything? You and I don't. We do not appreciate what we have. And that's why we become fearful. That's why we're afraid. We have everything that we need. God sought to it. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit. And one more thing about resource. Look at these. Luke 12. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't worry about what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. Why? Look at verse 12. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. See, the problem many times is when we look at our resources, we take our eyes off God and we look at our circumstances and say, what am I going to say? What am I going to teach? Now, who's talking? Rather than, okay, God, you allowed me in this situation. It could have been anyone else, but you chose me to do this. So, God... You have a problem. Because I'm, I don't know what to say. What am I going to do? And then at that instance of your surrender to God, what is His promise? The Holy Spirit at that very hour, He will what? Teach you what to say. Have you found yourself in such a situation? You're in a business meeting and somehow or another, the topic becomes spiritual. And after the meeting, how did I how did I get through that? How was I able to share? Wow! Was God all along? You get called. All of a sudden there's a problem. God, I don't know what to say. Will you help me? And what happens is you're able to minister to the person on the other line. You and I have all the resources. God has seen to it that whatever we lack, He will supply. In terms of material resources, God has promised none of His children will be caught begging for bread in the street. Paul wrote, And my God, shall supply all of your needs according to what? The glorious riches of Christ. These are not leftover blessings. Ephesians, uh, Ecclesiastes tells us that her mercies are what? New every morning. He gives us new blessings every day. He doesn't give us leftovers. He doesn't give us a meal from yesterday. His blessings are new. They are fresh every morning. Resources should not make us fearful of discipling other people. Because if God is with you, you plus one, who can stand against you? You plus God, who can stand against you? You're with God. The other barrier was complacency. This is a biggie, right? When you're complacent, you don't grow. Yes? Why? Two things. Either you're so proud 
that you think you've already made it, that I don't need to grow anymore. When my wife was inviting me to my first Bible study in CCF Manila, I told her, I know that. Why? Because during our courtship, she was a Christian, I was not. She would invite me to their church, and uh, of course, you want to make, have good points, right? So you go, you attend. So you listen, right? And then at one altar call, I went up. I surrendered my life to Christ. I, I had to put my cigarettes behind my back pocket. <laughs> so I said, okay, yes. So I attend. Every Sunday I attend. So I know many things. So when she first invited me, I know that. What's the warning of the Bible? Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, takes heed. Why? Lest he fall. If you believe that you have nothing to learn anymore from God. The other one is this. And I, brethren, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I'm already saved. I'm already going to heaven. I don't need discipleship. I don't need church. Because God is my God. And he said, I'm going to heaven. That's it. So what are you? A Christian. But you are, as Paul writes, a baby Christian. And after 15 to 20 years, you are still a baby Christian. Is that normal? Is that the design of God? That's why God gave us this. The key to discipleship, the the key to growth is discipleship. That's your choice. I have a lot of areas in my life that I need to grow. You know how I know? My wife will tell you. Because she knows the real me. So she knows the areas that I need to grow in. She knows the area that I am proud in. She knows the area that I need to improve on. So I just have to be honest with God. And I should not be complacent. It's riding a bike. Once you stop pedaling, what happens? You fall. Therefore, what should you do? Keep on pedaling. Because if you stop pedaling, what will happen? You're going to fall. You will lose motion, you will lose inertia, and you will fall. Resources, complacency. Look at what Hebrews 5 verse 12 tells us about complacency. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for some to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God and have come to need milk, not solid food. I'm 56. If you see me at work and find a baby bottle of my milk there, something is terribly wrong. You and I, we cannot feed an infant a T-bone steak. And neither should we feed a full-grown adult with Gerber. Yes? Because that is not how the growth process is designed. You graduate from milk to solid food. You're supposed to mature. And look at what Peter is saying. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying. You ought to be teachers by now. Meaning to say you've attended so many Bible studies already. You already know the Bible from Revelation to Genesis. 
Because you've already gone from Genesis to Revelation. You're on your way back. But what? When it comes to the oracles of God, you still need someone to teach you the elementary things. I have read the Bible, Pastor, from Genesis to Revelation, from Revelation to Genesis. What is your favorite verse? Jesus wept. Is there another verse that you know? Yes, Pastor. What is that? Tumangis si Jesus. You just made it Tagalog. Let's not be complacent. We all have many things to learn. There is always room for improvement. How did this person, what is the writer of Hebrews telling us that this person will mature from milk to solid food? For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Why? For he is an infant. Right? Now look at verse 14. Solid food is for the mature. How? How did this person mature? Who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So what is the way to maturity? You have to practice. If you do not practice, you will not mature. Do you think, who is the best basketball player today? No. Oh, mm-hmm. mm. Kobe. Now, you, you would think, okay, whoever. Okay, let's talk about Manny Pacquiao. How many belts does he have? Okay, he's already at the pinnacle of his career. I think he's the only one who's achieved that. Seven weight classes or whatever. Do you think he practices? Do you think he works out? He's already good. He is one of the best. He is arguably the best pound for pound. He doesn't need to practice anymore. He's already good. So why does he practice? Because he wants to improve. You cannot just read the book on boxing and the next day go into the ring with Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> I, but I have read. I have educated myself. Therefore, I can do it. Nah, you have to practice. You have to practice. If you don't practice, you will not know. You will not know. Complacency, resources, complacency. How about this? Is this important? Do you have to know the Word of God? Yes. The master of scripture. We will counsel only based on scripture. We will encourage you onward towards Christ likeness only based on the word of God. Yes? Look at what Jesus Christ told these people. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. What is the role of the Bible? What is the role of the scriptures? To lead you to Jesus. To lead you to Christ. The Bible should lead us to Christ. You will not, say by reading the, you will not be saved by reading the Bible. If you live in the garage, that does, make you, does that make you a car? Just by going to church, that does make you a follower of Christ? See, she knows. The Bible has a purpose. You have already mastered the scripture. You already know the Bible. Now, let me ask you, which is more important? 
to know everything there is to know about the Bible and not to obey it, or to learn just so much, but you're able to obey it. Which is more important? Your knowledge or your obedience? Ah, but I have not yet mastered the, the word. Okay. What do you already know? Are you obeying it? Ah, I have not yet mastered the word. Do you already know some of it? Yes. Are you obeying it? Oh, I have not yet mastered the word. So what will happen to you? Understand? Going to this building does not make you a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ follows Christ. He acts on the word of God. He obeys the word of God. He doesn't just read it. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. And you shall be careful to do everything written therein. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will have success. Mastery of scripture, the Bible is important. Indeed. But look at this. Acts 4, verse 13. Now they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men. They were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. You can be the best Bible scholar. But I submit to you, the real evidence is that when people see that you're walking with Christ. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. So you can be knowledgeable. But if you do not apply it, you're not wise. What was Peter and John were what? Uneducated. Fishermen. Some of them tax collector, our local BIR. Yet, what stood out in them? They recognized that they had been with Jesus. How does one be with Jesus? Spend time in the Word. Spend time with other believers. Spend time in discipling others. You can master the Scripture, yes. You know how CCF started? Pastor Peter in the original group, they became too many. So what happened was, Pastor Peter assigned a you, 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 and you. You form another group. We'll stay in the garage. Oh, the old ones will stay in the garage. The new ones will stay in the dining room. Oh, Pastor, what will we teach? The lesson I taught you last week, you teach. It's only like when it started, it's only one Bible study ahead. And how many, by God's grace, are we today? We can't, you know, we have a 10,000 seating capacity building in Manila that has three services. Where did that come from? See, it's good to know the Bible. When you disciple, please lang. Be the one who knows a little more than the one you're discipling. Please do not go to Grace Church and ask to disciple Pastor John MacArthur. Okay? Just know a little more than the person that you're discipling. And when the person you're discipling asks you and you don't know, please don't make up a reply. That's where you as a disciple 
go up to your discipler and ask, Pastor Danny, Pastor Reggie, Pastor Insong, Brother Edwin, whoever it is, uh, this was the question. How am I going to answer this? Oh, it's good. Good. Okay, now I know how to answer him. What's the problem with that? There's no problem with that. We don't know any we don't know everything. God already told us, Jesus Christ already told us the hidden things belong to God. So what are you teaching in the Bible study? We are trying to discover the hidden things. God already said those are the hidden things. Why are you trying to look for that? We will all know that when we get to heaven. Just teach them how to love one another. Just teach them how to love God. Teach them how husbands, how they are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Teach the wives to be submissive with respect. As Pastor Danny, if he were here, he will remind us of Philippians chapter 2. Do not only look out for your own interest, but in the interest of others. Follow the example of Christ in humility and selflessness, even to the point of death. Isn't that easy? What's the problem? Uh, my wife and I had a quarrel. Why? Because this was that a very humble way to respond? Was that a very selfish or selfless way to respond? Why? That's the example. That's the model of Jesus Christ. Who? Being God did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself and take the form of a human being. As a slave. Not only a human being, a slave. And became obedient to the will of the Father even to death. Death on the cross. And what happened? At the end, God exalted him. That at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. Humility, selflessness to the point of death. We don't need to know a lot. But the little that we know, we can help somebody else. Because what you may know, the little that you claim that you know, could already be overwhelming to this other individual who knows nothing. All your Bible study lessons will be, wow! Can you read this? 1 John 5, to 12, The witness is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He does not have the Son of God, does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Wow! Everything that you and I take for granted to this other person is... Every moment is a wow moment. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be said, wow. But because sometimes to us, because we, we read more than this other person, it's like, huh? But to this person that you're discipling, every moment is a wow moment. Every moment is a discipleship moment. Yet we're afraid. I have not mastered the scriptures yet. Why? I'm studying Greek. <laughs> you know what? Everything you say is Greek to him. He doesn't know what you're talking about. Yes, we need the word of God. But the mastery of the word of God should not prevent us from discipling other people. Commitment. Commitment. Now, if Jesus Christ himself were here, and he asks you, will you follow me? What will you say? Really? Well, let's look at this guy that Jesus Christ asked directly. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, Go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Was he invited to follow Jesus? To be a disciple? What was his response? BC. I have to do something. Okay. He asked another guy. Another also said, 
I will follow you, Lord. Huh? But, first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. Diba? Are you willing to go? Yes! Now? Uh, wait. You want to be a follower of Christ? Yes! Okay. Ah, uh, wait. I have to do this. I have to do that. So, because I'm busy, I can't really commit right now. Uh, when I retire, when I retire, when I'm 65, that's the time I will follow God. You don't even know if you will reach 65. Honestly. Right? Jesus Christ is just asking for our commitment. He's already told us, I'm going to supply everything that you need for life and godliness. I'll take care of it. As Pastor Peter would say, you take care of God's business, he will take care of your business. It's just your commitment that God is asking for. But we have all kinds of, we call them barriers, right? But what are they really are? There are two people who are honest. What are they really? Okay, you don't want to really say it. Though. What are they? Shush. Okay. We understand each other. We say there are barriers. But really, what, what are they? They're really excuses. Right? Now, we are not isolated. Look at this guy. His name is Moses. God was telling him about his good plan, his marvelous plan to save the Jews the Israelites, and bring them to a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. So God lays out the plan for Moses. And then what does he say in Exodus 3.11? But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 13, Moses said to God, well, in verse 12, God answers Moses. Verse 13, Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Another excuse. He answers again. In Exodus verse 4, Moses said, What if they do not believe me? Or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. God answers him again. And in verse 10, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses, we have to realize, was really a stutterer. He was really slow of speech. Right? But can God overcome your infirmity to use you? Even if you stutter, even if our English is Bacologian, <laughs> even if our English is, never mind, God can use you. And look, the real McCoy, so to speak. But he said, Moses again, but please, Lord, now send the messenger whom you ever, whomever you will. In other words, I volunteer. I volunteer, George. <laughs> I need a volunteer. I will volunteer, Lord. I volunteer, George. That's what he's saying to God. After all of this exchange, I cannot do this. What if they say? And then, I don't have time to show it to you. And the anger of the Lord burned upon Moses. And he said, call your brother Aaron. I speak to you, you speak to Aaron, Aaron will speak to the people. Will God accomplish his will? With or without you, God will accomplish his will. So it's better for us to be in the will of God. To be used of God. Rather than miss out on that opportunity that God is giving us. Let's call a spade a spade. These barriers are really excuses. Moses tried to wiggle out of the mission that God has given to him. To the point that he said, just send somebody else. Resources, complacency, 
mastery of scripture, commitment, last time. Time. You know, we are all in different seasons of life and we have our own responsibilities and commitments. And, you know, at the end of the day, God, I don't really have time. Well, Jesus Christ said, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, while you still have time. Why? Night is coming. And then we will not be able to do what God asks us to do. I wish I had more time. I wish I had been born again much sooner so that I could serve God more. At 56, and you're looking at the higher 70 or 80, how many years do I have left of human existence? That's the only time I have left to serve God. We, now let me ask you, which is the bigger amount? Which amount do you like? 525,600 or 31,536,000? Which do you want? Huh? Which is the bigger amount? They are the same. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. You and I have the same five hundred and twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes in one year. You and I have the same thirty-one thousand five hundred thirty-six seconds in one year. We all have our own commitments. Each of us has the same twenty-four hours, unless you own this store or you listen to this record. Beatles, eight days a week. Look, I love you. There's only seven days in a week. How about this? Those of you who go to Manila, oh, how long are they open? 25 hours. Buddha, we are open 25 hours. We all have the same time. The problem, my brothers and sisters, is not time. It is time management. It is how we allocate the time that God gives us. If something is important to you, I submit to you, you will make the time. Because if we say to God, God, I can't make the time. What you and I are really telling God is, God, I don't want to make the time. We all have the same. It's just a matter of how we prioritize things. That's the truth. I will pick on the golfers because I used to play golf. Used to because now I'm, I'm now, I don't have time, literally. There's called in Manila a Sunrisers Club. They tee off at 5.30 in the morning. Why can you wake up at 5.30 in the morning and play three to four hours of golf? But then when your wife or your children are waking you up for Sunday service, oh, oh, ah, 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 but you can wake up for a 5.30 golf game. Oh. Yes or no? Yes. How many of you line up Black Friday? <laughs> oh. You get your blanket, you get your chair, you get your hot coffee, you wait, and then what? Oh, what did you buy? Ballpen. What color? Green. Where are you going? It's broken. I have to return. (laughs) 
we all have the same amount of time. It's just a matter of prioritizing it. Let me prove to you why you have more time than what you really need. Oh. What is that F? Mm-hmm. Facebook. Yes? Facebook. Kunyari pa kayo. Be honest. Facebook. You just, you know, I challenge you. Mag, try a journal. When you log on to Facebook and when you log out. And total it for one day. I submit to you, you have time. I submit to you, you have time. But this is your priority. That's why you cannot devote time to other things. Why? Because this has consumed your time. And it doesn't only limit itself to Facebook. To whatever it is. To your hobby. To your business. To your personal, whatever. Shopping. What's COC? Ah, yan. Kasama yan. Are you on Facebook? No, this is game. <laughs> Time waits for no one. I'm a stickler for time. I do not like to be late. Why? Because I cannot recover the time. Once you spend that time, it's gone. You cannot recover it. And this is the problem. In all of this, this is what I have deduced and this is my thesis. What's that? What does this have to do with the barriers? It's really... It's LOL. It's lack of love. Because the results are in. Now what? Now what? We have shared all of our barriers, which are really excuses. But if we don't want to prioritize God, then it's really a lack of love. We love to do other things rather than doing what God asks us to do. The Bible tells us in 1 John that perfect love casts out fear. You get the connection? We are afraid to get into discipleship because what? We don't really love God enough to do what He asks us to do. Look at this. God just simply tells us to do basically two things. Teacher, which is the greatest law? Which is the greatest commandment in the law? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. Love God. God's love language is simply obedience. If you love me, you will obey my command. And God commands us to make disciples. Now, what is the beauty of making disciples? It begins with evangelism. Do you not like to pe people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? You don't love these people if you're not willing to get involved. And then the second, he says, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. First, the vertical, then the horizontal. Love God, love other people. How can I show I love God? I obey Him. How can I show I love other people? I bring them to God. And when they come to Christ, they come to God, I help them grow into Christ-likeness. Am I making sense? The question maybe is, do we really love God enough to stop giving excuses about why we are not leading people to Christ, which is evangelism, 
and helping them grow in Christ-likeness, which is discipleship. It's a process. And the bigger question is, do we really love God? Because if I love God, I will be involved in what God loves for me to do. I should not do discipleship because, I. Why am I the pastor of this church? I now have to disciple people. On the other spectrum is, they expect that the pastor does everything. Well, who's supposed to disciple? Pastor, it's supposed to be you. Why? You're the pastor. Give or take, we're 200. How can I effectively disciple all of you? I won't. So I disciple, and my disciple disciples. And we become a multiplying movement. But the question is, do I really love God? Do I really love God enough to do what He asked me to do? That's the question. I praise God that He is a God of grace, that He is a God of mercy. And if you decide today, okay, God, I'm going to try it. Just try it. God, I won't even make a commitment, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to disciple somebody. And I'll trust you at your word. You know, even if we'd failed, God can still use us. He will use us if you're willing to be used. If I'm willing to be used. Why do I know this? You know, the disciple that has a foot and mouth disease, his foot is always in his mouth. You know who that is? Peter. The apostle Peter. Now, what did he do? He betrayed Jesus three times. He betrayed Jesus three times. Okay? Now, of all the disciples, you think this guy is not going to be a good uh, disciple. Why? He betrayed me three times. No less than three times. Look at their conversation after Jesus had resurrected. John 21. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord. You know, I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him, a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him, the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Three times, Peter betrayed Jesus. Three times, Jesus asked Peter. What was the question that Jesus asked? Peter, do you love me? And what was Peter's reply? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then when Peter replied, I love you, what did Jesus ask him to do? Take care. Take care. Shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep. Now what or why is this so amazing? Jesus Christ asked Peter this way. Peter, do you agape me? Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Peter replied, yes Lord, I phileo you. 
Phileo is the word for love that means the love of a friend. That's why you have the city of Philadelphia, the city of friendship. Peter, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, I phileo you. He asked a second time, Peter, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, I phileo you. Jesus asked a third time, Peter, do you phileo me? Yes, Lord, I phileo you. God will come down to your level. He is not going to drag you up. You see the difference? Do you agape me? Yes, I phileo you. Let's try that again. Do you agape me? Yes, I phileo you. Okay. Do you phileo me? Yes, I phileo you. God can still use you. It's not too late. If you've tried it before, it didn't work, try it again. Make the mistakes. To try and to fail is better than not to have tried. Amen ba? Does God love you? Yes. Have you failed God? Yes. I failed God. But is God still willing to use you? Yes. yes. So those barriers, they're not, they're not really barriers. There are excuses. Why? Because we're afraid. And we forget that perfect love casts out fear. Get on board. Do the thing that God assures us of His manifest, His manifold, His never-ending presence. Because He said, never, ever, no, never, ever will I leave you nor forsake you. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, Before your son Jesus went back to his glorious place in heaven, he said that we are supposed to be your witnesses. You left the work of bringing the good news, the gospel throughout the world to fallen, sinful people like all of us. And thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of the first disciples who uneducated and untrained as they may have been Lord were able to do the work that you've given them because you were with them you walk with them Lord they walk with you and the people around them recognize that they have been with Christ Lord I pray that every time we're reminded by the devil that we are weak, that we are sinful, that we are imperfect, and that causes us to be afraid? Will your Holy Spirit, Lord, remind us that you love us unconditionally and that perfect love is more than sufficient to cast out our fears? I pray, Lord God, for those in our midst who yet do not know you. Perhaps they're afraid of committing their life to you. Will you speak to them, Lord, and allow them to open up their heart and their lives to a personal relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ? For you are no respecter of persons, Lord God, and you will accept anyone and everyone who comes to faith in Christ. And I also pray for those amongst us who are not yet into a discipleship relationship. Lord, will you give us the boldness? Wipe away that fear. Envelop us with your love. And show us the way, Lord, how we can disciple. Maybe it's a member of our family that we need to disciple. Maybe it's a member of this body of believers. But Lord, do not allow us to set aside this very important mission that you've given us. To go into all the world. 
to bring the good news of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And allow us, Lord, the privilege of helping these new believers to maturity, to Christ-likeness, by teaching them and encouraging them, Lord, to obey all. Because this is what assures us of your manifest and manifold presence. Lord, we thank you for your word. Use your word, Lord, in whatever way that you want to speak to your people. And be glorified in the way that we obey it for the rest of our days, this coming week, and unto the day that we see you. This is our prayer, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.